You're listening to Steve Dace On Demand. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. I am Steve Dace. We are live on The Blaze on demand on Sierra TV. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We love to know what you think about what we think. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. And you can let us know what you think as well via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Plenty of election eve coverage on today's program. Also in the next hour, Heather Timmons covers the White House for the liberal website Quartz.com. And she wants to talk about immigration. What is Christian? What is moral? What is a valid immigration system? We'll get into that in the next hour. But we begin, as we always do, with a rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by comedy just isn't what it used to be. This guy's kind of cool, uh, Dan Crenshaw. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on, man. <laughs> yo, hold on. Uh, you may be surprised to hear he's a congressional candidate from Texas and not a hitman in a porno movie. <laughs> but, I'm sorry, I know he lost his eye in, in war or whatever. <laughs> I guess if Ariana Grande breaks up with you, you can go on SNL and just say whatever you want. What a freaking creep. Stacey Abrams is a candidate for governor in Georgia, and um, yeah, this isn't a winning message. Well, just to be clear, you were one of six co-sponsors of this bill, House Bill 731, introduced January 11, 2016, not that long ago. Your co-sponsor told reporters the law, quote, would require gun owners of these particular models to turn their guns in. And again, my my point is this. The legislation introduced was the beginning of a conversation. I am absolutely certain that were we to pass this in Georgia, we would have a conversation about grandfathering in, about whether or not people would turn their their guns in, whether there would be buybacks. There are a number of approaches to take to accomplish this goal. But the fundamental responsibility is common sense gun safety legislation in Georgia. We're just having a conversation. Give me your guns. Oh, buddy, old pal, just a dialogue. Just, Just you and me. Give me your guns. On the topic of not winning messages. Here's DNC chairman Tom Perez. The ex-girlfriend of your deputy at the DNC, Congressman Keith Ellison, is accusing him of domestic abuse. Now, an investigation commissioned by the Minnesota Democratic Party was, quote, unable to substantiate the claim of physical abuse. Is that good enough? What do you say to women in the Democratic Party who say, why is this guy still the vice chair of the DNC? What I say is that we should always take those complaints uh, seriously, and we do. And that's why an investigation was conducted. That's why Congressman Ellison asked for a health ethics investigation. And Democrats have never hesitated to take action, unlike Republicans. And you know what? Part of why we are going to do wait, so wait well on Tuesday Wait a second. Tuesday Democrats have never hesitated to take action? Up. Do you mean like in the last year, or do you mean yeah, like historically? Yeah. Because well, historically I could, well, I could go through a list well, of people. Again, well, and, and, and uh, again, you saw what happened in Senator Franken's situation. Democrats didn't hesitate to do something, even if it was difficult. 
because that was the right thing to okay, do. Okay, so you mean just so like Dick, in the last year? You're not talking about Ted Kennedy is, or President Bill Clinton or, I mean, I'm, I'm I only have a couple minutes left. I, the real clear politics house map still hasn't really changed much from Friday, predicting 202 safe seats for the Democrats and 194 for the Republicans with 39 toss-ups. The Senate has 50 safe seats for Republicans, 43 for Democrats with seven toss-ups on the eve of the midterm elections. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says the sanctions lifted from Iran because of the Obama-Iran nuclear deal are going to be put back in place today. Are the toughest sanctions ever put in place uh, on the Islamic Republic of Iran. They're aimed at a singular purpose, denying the world's largest state sponsor of terror the capacity to do things like they did this past couple weeks, attempt an assassination campaign in the heart of Europe. Another accuser of Brett Kavanaugh has recanted her story. Judy Monroe Layton had accused Kavanaugh of raping her. She now says she's never even met him. South Carolina dad and daughter face incest charges after their baby dies, but hashtag love is love. And finally, an arrest was made after hateful graffiti was found inside a Brooklyn, New York synagogue. The culprit was James Polite, a 26-year-old Democrat activist and former employee of New York City Council Speaker Christine Quinn. And that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less. All right, let's begin by highlighting the Brooklyn uh, Synagogue graffiti arrest there. Uh, Get a good look at that guy. Because since he doesn't help advance the narrative, he gone. Like Hawk Harrelson, you stay for years on those White Sox broadcast, he gone. He will be disappearing from your left America media uh, rundown in three. Gone. We don't need to get to one. He's already gone. We're moving on. Um, there's a lot here I want to digest quickly on the election because we're going to have more in election analysis today and tomorrow. What's noteworthy about the Real Clear Politics site uh, is the, uh, the, the amount of seats they have now as toss-ups has expanded. It's expanded by about eight in the last week. You know, last week we were talking about there were only 31 toss-up seats uh, this late in the process. Today they're listing 39. There are eight that are, and most of them are seats currently held by Republicans. But that may actually be good news for Republicans because they are seats that Republicans were probably looking at losing before. So they at least have pulled into a point where they're considered competitive to be a toss-up. If you're the party that's behind, you typically, when you've been behind all along, at least that's been the perception, and the amount of toss-ups is growing, that's usually probably what you, well, yes, you want that to happen. I mean, you can make the argument the other way, well, that's signs of a blue wave, but if these seats were leaning Democratic and now they're considered toss-ups, that's that's probably a good sign for Republicans, although the polling for them today, not good. The narrative for Democrats over the weekend, not good. <laughs> so here we go with your uh, here's who's dumbest last loses. And uh, here's some dumb. Here's some dumb. Mike Pompeo didn't tell you the truth there. Okay. I, I'm just not going to let him get away with deceiving you like that. At best, it's the truth Obi-Wan Kenobi from a certain point of view, okay? In that they have put the the sanctions against Iran, gentlemen, that Obama's disastrous Iran deal removed. They did put those sanctions back in place. 
But you ever heard the old saying, the devil is in the details, men, right? The devil, especially when you're talking about Iran, uh, is most literally in these details. So they did put back in place the punitive sanctions on Iran that the Obama administration removed. But here's the part Mike, Mike Pompeo did not share with you. Pretty much every country that could really make Iran hurt by bypassing them because of these sanctions was given an exemption. China, for example, several other countries. Uh, Iraq. Iraq was given an exemption. Doesn't that just make you feel giddy, Todd, about the Iran-Iraq war? Right? That essentially Iraq is now a proxy state for Iran, and then this morning they were given an exemption to do business with Iran aside from the sanctions. Because that's, that, I mean, that's why we went to Iraq. That's why, that's why we bled and died over there for trillions of dollars for 15 years was to create a puppet state for Iran. MAGA, that's Team America right there, baby, right? Point of order, may I ask a devil's advocate question? Not because I necessarily believe in it, but is this a game of chicken? Are they trying to see who's going to take the it, bait, whatever bait it may or may not be? And if, if, if that's the game? Why the hell would you do this the day before the election? No, well, that's a different question and an okay. important one, and yeah. I totally agree with that. If, if, if it is, if, if it is, meaning your point is see who wants to jump yes. into bed with Iran yes. to drop the hammer on them a little bit later on? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, then why are you doing no, this I, the day before the election? I why are you no, caving? Yeah, that's There's so, no good answers to that. Yeah, now, our official show motto is regarding what's our official show motto where four dimensional chess is concerned here? It's always four dimensional. Uh, never. <laughs> it's, nev- uh, it's never. Oh, how did I it, miss that up? Yeah, it's never. It's never four dimensional chess. Is it, it's debatable whether you were arguing for the potential of four dimensional chess. Aaron, can I get a ruling? Is, was Todd arguing on the for the for four dimensional chess in your mind or just chess? Um, I think it was three dimensional chess, so it's not four dimensional. So just chess. chess. All right, I think just chess is still possible at times. But often, when you're dealing with random egos in motion, no. Four-dimensional chess is always a no. Just chess, maybe. It, 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 I, I'm going to grant you, because we're friends, that you're arguing for just chess. Are you, it, I thought probably, it was just chess. Probably I, your position, and I'll give it to you, because I'm feeling really good here on a Monday. I'm feeling, feeling really good. Last Monday. year was so much fun. Feeling good. Uh, so I'm going to give you that it's just chess. But, yeah, but um, I don't think Gockham's razor. What? Which is what? It's always it's yeah, always in the, effect yes. on this show as yeah. well. Yes. Uh, Occam's razor says that in this situation, it's well, or any situation involving chess, it's probably not chess. It's probably just everything sucks. Yeah, because if you were playing chess, why would you do this? Why would you give all these exemptions to Iran's sanctions the day before the election if you were playing chess? Right? So see, my come back to that. Do you think that's a legitimate point? Um, is Iran running interference on this particular election instead of Russia? Does that have something to do with it? it, it, Let's just set this all aside. If you want to be, if you're arguing we're the jobs, not mobs, law and order people, is it a good message the day before the election to exempt a bunch of countries from doing business with Iran to enrich the mullahs? Is that good messaging for you? Is that, is that good? Clearly not. Okay. So since we've at least established that, the idea, to me, that makes me doubt that this is some form of a bait and switch of chess. Because if you were that, if you were willing, if you had thought it through to the point that you're ag- ad- advocating, you wouldn't have opened yourself up to this 
before the election because this these are get out the, this is this is going to be a get out the base election for both sides and you can't be doing anything whatsoever that causes anybody to say oh, well, of course, you're not surprised that uh, this particular White House is not mainstreamed in terms of its messaging. I mean, this is another day that ends in why. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not shocked by that. I'm not. I, I don't understand why the president is saying. Well, I. I know. I do. It's the ego. There's no thinking there. It's just you know. There's. All, it's all. Ladies knows what. Every lady knows what I'm talking about. This is a guy who only thinks with the southern hemisphere at least 98% of the time. And so you're on an excellent message. You've turned it where we just talked about this on Friday. You've made it a referendum on them with jobs, not mobs. And then the president comes out buoyant that he's got now apparently a 46% approval rating, which has wrecked any other president in a midterm election. And then comes out at his rallies over the weekend and says, make it, make it a referendum on me. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think, it's it's the best closing argument for a president who has who's had to who needs the best economy of all time by his own branding to get a 46% approval rating to say make the election a referendum on me and then let me exempt the mullahs in Iran from a bunch of terrible sanctions i don't think that's like the best closing case argument I, I just screwed you over vote for me yeah, tell me what you think about me i, I mean I don't, I don't think that's how you close a sale but i don't know I guess we'll find out. I learned. I don't know as much as I knew as, as I've known for in the years past. So maybe there's a whole bunch of people tomorrow that'll be like, "I love it. Let's do this." And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of think I'd rather be talking about something else if I were a Republican. The last 24 hours. Let me tell you where else I'd be. Let me, like Steve. What do you mean? Let me give you an example. All right. That SNL clip. If I were running Fox News, well, like at least four people on their daily roster would be gone. Uh, but if I were the other thing that would happen if I were running Fox News and I'm running there in terms of reach of the GOP base, there's Fox News and then there's Space Bar, Space Bar, Space Bar, Drudge Rush, and then everybody else after that. All right. Fox is on its own astral plane when it comes to reaching the GOP base, which is why so many conservative commentators will literally change their positions on issues or the or the messaging they adopt in a given news cycle in order to get on there and to get booked on there because it makes your life and your career if that happens okay um since i have i'm like way down on their list and probably never moving up i have no such temptation so let me tell you what i would be doing if i were running fox news that con that congressional candidate that was attacked on saturday night live pete davidson's his name correct the yes. uh, comedian's name is oh Pete the comedian's David. name is yep. Pete Davidson okay, but that military veteran Crenshaw Crenshaw thank you with the uh, with the with the patch on the eye, who literally gave his eye in a sandlot in Iraq so that Iran could have its sanctions lifted. What a sacrifice that was, by the way. But he gave his eye for his country. If I were running Fox News. Every show on Fox News. I wouldn't have Newt Gingrich on there whoring himself out with bad data, okay? Which is what I saw all this morning at the gym, and it, they had it on in uh, in uh, the uh, in the men's uh, locker room as I was showering up afterwards. Newt's okay? got a—he's not going to bring the red wave, Steve. N- n- no, and I know Newt, so I know he's smarter than this. He's just at this point, Newt just likes being on TV. All right, so and see, this is how we're doing you a disservice in conservative media. We talked last week. Liberal media lies to their people about issues 
Like they convince their people that the whole country wants Sodom and Gomorrah, which is not true, but they don't lie to their people on the horse race. Like if they think they're going to lose, they're like, get out and vote. And here's why. We lie to our people on the horse race. And so every, time, every, every monitor that at the gym when I was there for an hour and a half this morning between working out and showering and everything else, everything is threading. It's like, this, it's like the magic bullet theory of the Warren Commission. Threading, you know, the, uh, passing a camel through the eye of a needle. Threading the path for, for the GOP to gain seats in the House. Was he using okay. Carl uh, Rove's whiteboard? Well, I mean, it, and it wasn't just and Rove was on there too, by the way, since you mentioned it. It wasn't just him. That's why I was shocked my buddy Chris Wilson got on there to actually drop real data. And because Chris, Chris is, the, is maybe the best analytics guy we have on the right, and he won't lie to anybody. He will not lie. And he was on there saying, most likely outcome is the Democrats are going to win the House. Okay? If, if Fox wanted to do good, get out the vote efforts. And, they could, and this, is, this is the kind of clickbait, too, that would sell in the, with the Fox audience. This guy Crenshaw would be on every show on Fox. It would be the Crenshaw channel. Because when you look at everything Republicans do, most Republicans are as useful as a mammary gland on a bull. The, the, only, the only use, 98% of Republicans are only useful for the fact they're just not Democrats. Can I get a witness on that? Any second? Seconded. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Aye. The ayes have it. Unanimous. Thanks. They provide ample cannon fodder for you right now. God bless him. There's a congressman in my own backyard right now who has been a great fighter for us in years past who is just handing talking points to the Democrats as we speak right now. It's like he's trying to get Fred Hubble elected governor in my home state every time he opens his mouth. And there's all kinds of, from their side's perspective, justifiable, maybe even some from our, from our perspective, justifiable cannon fodder, Republicans just hand people like liberal SNL comedians every day that ends in Y. In fact, oh, it's been three seconds. Here's some more, right? To sit around and go after a guy for losing his eye for his country is beyond heinous. It's politically dumb. And, you know, what was it, like 40-some-odd percent of military veterans voted for Hillary in the last election or something like that? There's all kinds. The military is not the right-wing armada it was in the 80s, guys. It, it's a progressive bastion, too. I cannot believe there. And in New York City, where they had 9-11, there wasn't anybody whose brother served in Iraq or in Afghanistan who said, guys, dude, hit Mitch McConnell again. Rip, you know, rip Tucker Carlson. Pick, You know what I'm saying? I mean... We're going to go after a veteran? Not, nobody on the entire staff who thought that's a bad idea? If I were running Fox News, you want, and when, when so much is driven by negative impulse for the other side, I'd make Crenshaw, remember how big of a star Joe the Plumber was for like 10 minutes yeah. in the 08 election? Dude, I'd make people think that we changed our name to the Crenshaw Channel. I'd go to Shepard Smith even. The, the resident Democrat Party apologist in middays and be like, Shep, we'll go get another gay guy to give out the Democrat talking points tomorrow because your ass is having Crenshaw on today. All right? It'd be, it'd be Crenshaw today, next hour, tomorrow, Crenshaw forever. It'd be the Crenshaw channel. I would be, that would be the clickiest clickbait that ever clicked in the history of Fox News. It would be Crenshaw all day, today, tomorrow, followed by all of Carl Rove's Vote Republican to Save America commercials. That's what I'd be doing if I was Fox News. Because that is way out of, the, way out of bounds. 
way beyond the pale. And that's the kind of stuff that does that whatever is left of the middle America you are always advocating for, the non-ideological but patriotic people that hate this stuff, whatever's left of them, that kind of clickbait, we'd find out. We'd find out how many of those people are left because that's the kind of thing that gets those people to say, you know what, man, you guys are freaking communists. Screw you. We're not doing that. That's not how we roll in America. And the fact that Fox News today is, here's why. Uh, the Republicans are going to win the House. Okay. You know how you could win the House? Clickbait the poop out of Mr. Crenshaw, Todd. That's how you can win the House. That's what I'd be doing. If I were running Fox News today, it would be the Crenshaw channel. That's what I'd be doing. Well, we talked about this a little off air. This is why I said, you know, people still don't, most people don't know who uh, Crenshaw is, uh, and they don't uh, really know who uh, Steve King is. They might not know the name Pete Davidson, but they do know what Saturday Night Live is. Uh, and 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 when you have this window again within this twenty four hour period, uh, it you really, it ultimately the, the finer points, uh, the gray area, whatever that was, it, that really isn't about this. I I agree. Even though we regularly rip on how bad it has become that our debate is so uh, defined by clickbait. Uh, 24 hours before an election is always, always has been way before computers, always was defined by clickbait. And you need to be good at that at that moment, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or using, you know, a, 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 a Morse code or whatever you were using once upon a time to get the message out right at the 11th hour. Uh, it would be malfeasance not to put this forward. It's what you have right now. Yeah, and I, I think this illustrates, again, at least in a small way, the difference between what the left has going for them and what the right is, or the not left, uh, what's left of America and the left. Uh, what the left does, they, they act as if they are a movement. They use all of their uh, faculties. They use well, what faculties they have left that haven't been given over to their craven minds, but uh, they use all of the institutions they have available to them to try to advance their agenda, which is always what? It's always gaining power. Uh, they use that to um, their utmost, or at least they attempt to, and even then, they make stupid decisions like this. On the right, or what's left of America, we just have an industry. Um, we, we'll get a few clicks out of this, and yeah, maybe we could use that as clickbait, but what I'm trying to say is they don't recognize moments for what they are. That could be a moment. It still could be. There's still 12 hours left you know, uh, in the news cycle today or less, um, but they don't recognize the moment. They'll, they'll do enough to get the clicks and they'll do enough to get his face out there, but they don't recognize the opportunity this is to advance because all at the end of the day, all this is is just an industry. So we can get this, we can get this to perform for a little bit and then we're on to the next uh, clickbait uh, thing. Uh, you get what I'm saying? There's, mm -hmm. There is no awareness of what could be in terms of actually advancing something. It's just all reactionary. It's, it's all kind of out there into the ethereal. There is no actual marching forward with any notion or semblance of, uh, of, advancing, uh, of advancing the football when you have opportunities and when the other side, other side gives you a break like this. Let me... For our audience, because I, I I like the way that you made the comparison contrast between the two sides media there, Aaron. Let me let me give a, a useful example to illustrate Aaron's point. Even though you know the military 
is increasingly a bastion of American progressivism. Over 40% of veterans voted for um, Hillary in the last election, or maybe it was military members uh, voted for Hillary in the last election. As a constituency group, it is, you know, veterans and, and military causes are still things that primarily emotionally stir the voters that are most likely to vote Republican. Okay. Right. Let's let's say there was a people group that are most like that that emotionally stir those or represent those who are most likely to vote Democrat. And and let's say since we don't really have anything on the right commiserate to a Saturday Night Live uh, or the not left, I should say, commiserate to a Saturday Night Live. Let, let's say it was um, uh, the, the most watched show on Fox News. And on a given night, it's Tucker or Hannity. Okay. And, and let's say tonight, right before the election. Because that, that, this is the last time Saturday Night Live is going to get a chance to speak before the election, right? So let's say it's tonight, right before the election. They go, one of those two guys, the most watched shows on Fox, goes off on a personal level. Like, let's take the black woman, Stacey Abrams, running for governor of Georgia. And, and instead of going after her views on gun confiscation, they go after her, mock her as a figure, as a person. What would be the lead story on every liberal media? Out- what would be Morning Joe, first thing, tomorrow on MSNBC? What would it be, Doc? Would, G- it, be, would it be poll numbers, horse race? What would it be? Uh, the GOP is racist. Yes. What would, it, what, would, what, would the, what would Cuomo show first thing on CNN be? Would it be, would it be hey, we'll get to how the GOP is racist next hour, but first, here's an hour on how Democrats are going to win 43 seats, well, here's and here's an our hour analytics on guy. how first the GOP is misogynist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. They, would, they would run, they would push the zeitgeist. They would push the zeitgeist in order to change the numbers or, or create the outcome of the numbers they want, all right? We don't do that here. Because you guys, because apparently there's a memo, you guys can't handle being told that you might lose a game. And so we have to lie to you all the time and tell you that you're Alabama every, every game you're Alabama. You're going to win every time and you're going to dominate and everything, every, every number that, every number that's not true is fake news. Do you know why I did the whole Twitter thread on Sunday about the, the one more time the polls were not wrong in 2016 and laid it out with data and links? You know why I did that? Because I've got people whose opinions I respect, peers of mine in my industry, putting this crap in my Twitter feed. And so I know if they're sharing it with me, who they know will push back on it. I imagine they're sharing this with you and lying to you. They're not being being honest and i can't as much as i want to as, as much as i detest progressivism you know what i detest even more than that your horse bleep your horse bleep is always going to get my ire more than anything else okay and so what we will do is we will lie to you about what the numbers are in conservative media that's what we'll do when and we'll do it in a way where we could have told you the truth in time to change the numbers we won't do that like this crenshaw thing has the power to change a couple of house seats absolutely it does it's that kind of combustion. Absolutely it is. But instead, Fox is going to line up today's Republican uh, shills and spokespeople to talk to you about uh, you know, the horse race, where if it was the other way around, and if it was somebody, uh, somebody on the, if it, some prominent media platform on the not left who had mocked a, pro, a, a prominent constituency group representative of the left in the last moments of the election, that's all we would be hearing because they would recognize That'll, that'll, get, that, that'll get us the numbers we want. That'll change the numbers. And that's why I believe this is a huge missed opportunity. You guys disagree or, or what do you think? I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. 
Well, I'm I'm certain. Like I said, short of outright lying, there there is no other game than within the final uh, 24, 48 hours than to play this game. I mean, you 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 can't take the long walk anymore. There simply isn't any time. And you you try to put uh, throw some of that chum out into the water uh, and see what grabs you. That's why the commercials usually look the way uh, they do, and they did while you were watching your football games this weekend. Uh, nuance, not really their jam, um, and that's only gotten uh, more and more the case with each election that goes by. Um, uh, uh, of course you're right. Now, I... <laughs> I, it's a long news day, Steve. I, maybe they're getting there. Short of just flat out wanting to depress their own base, do you think the reason they do this is because they really like the idea of like outsmarting everybody and trying to be the one who drew the golden ticket? And is that you? I don't know. I've, I, you know, I've I've had little to no. I think it, I think in my career I've been on Fox News since I started in national media in 2011. I, I think I've been on there seven or eight times and. Seven, eight years, almost eight years. So I, I don't, I don't know enough of its inner workings to know the answer to that. I, I don't know. It's obvious there's clear coordination between the Trump White House and and Fox and vice versa, as you see with liberal media and the Democrats. What I, and and we know that Trump is interested in the cultural zeitgeist issues like right. we're talking about. So chances are you probably got to get it on Trump's radar to get it on Fox's. If you know what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. So we'll come back. We're going to take one, another interesting grassroots look at one of the key battleground states here in the 2018 election tomorrow. Coming up next. Stay tuned here. Live on the Blaze on Demand at CRTV. <laughs> Well, in any election campaign, there's always a ton of fake news. You know where else you see a ton of fake news is when it comes to your health. And you hear a lot of things called superfoods nowadays. Well, I'd urge you when you pick up that superfood, turn it over and look at the label and see if it says supplemental facts on the nutrition label. Because if that's what it says, right away you need to know it's not a food. Uh, It's actually made from extracts. And that's why the people at Brickhouse Nutrition came together. A group of top physicians got together to come up with a real superfood. And they've created Field of Greens. It's the first real superfood, which is why when you pick it up right there on the bottle, turn it over, it doesn't say supplemental facts on it. It says nutrition facts because it is an actual food. One scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real certified vegan, vegetarian, USDA, Organic fruits and vegetables complete with those antioxidants that give the immune system a boost here in cold and flu season. This is daily clean green energy that fuels your body for a healthier and happier lifestyle. For a limited time offer, visit BrickHouseSteve.com. That's BrickHouseSteve.com. And use promo code STEVE to get 15% off of your first order. Again, BrickHouseSteve.com. Use promo code STEVE. Get 15% off. And today you'll begin to experience a better you for tomorrow. Our good friend Bob Vanderplatz joins us each Monday at this time from The Family Leader, and we're here in one of the true battleground states, Bob. And I was talking to a friend of mine who is at work with some super PACs in several states right now in the final days, and he he told me he thought he had a pretty good handle. We were talking yesterday afternoon, uh, early evening. He told me he thought I had a pretty good handle on where things were going nationwide. He just had no idea 
what was happening in Iowa. They are involved in a couple of different congressional races right now. Uh, and I'm just going to tell you what he told me uh, because I, I'm, I am forecasting. We're going to do our official election predictions on the CRTV roundtable today. And I'll, I'll give a little spoiler alert. I think whoever wins control of the House is going to have a single-digit majority. Mm-hmm. And, and so, therefore, the, the, uh, the, the couple of competitive races here in Iowa uh, that he told me their polling is all over, the, all over the place, that literally it is the day that they poll is who's ahead in, in uh, Rod Blum's district and David Young's district right now, uh, and that they are, they are struggling to move Kim Reynolds' numbers to the point that, they, that she can give them um, either some uh, coattails or not be a drag, uh, and that he thought she was way too late getting on the right messaging, and so her numbers have been kind of stagnant in the low 40s pretty much the entire time. So, you know, I think Iowa is a good test market for what's happening in the few battleground states and districts left across the country. So what's your read right now? And because I think maybe what's going to happen here might be a good precursor to what we see happen nationwide on Tuesday. Well, I think Iowa is a great test market. Matter of fact, I was going back and forth last night with a gentleman who I believe really knows what's going on around the country. But he too was saying, Iowa seems to be this thing about, we can't get a grasp on it. Uh, talked with Frank Luntz last week and he said, you know what? Iowa's a tough one to read right now. We always say it's all about turnout. It's not about those who are registered to vote, but it's about those who actually vote. So it's going to be about turnout. But I think David Young and Cindy Axney in the 3rd District, I think that's going to might be a late night. I think it's going to be a nail-biter. I think Rod, I think Rod Blum is going to have to completely outkick his coverage uh, with the turnout in order to beat Finkenauer in the 1st District. Everything I see shows Finkenauer beating him. Uh, so if he comes and wins, that will be a surprise of the night. And if he wins, I think that helps out of Kim Reynolds, who's in a very tough reelect uh, for the Iowa uh, the Iowa governorship. And so, but then you have Steve King in the in the fourth district, which should not be a close race at all. And I still think he'll win by five to seven, but he should be winning by ten to twelve. So all those numbers, the interplays there. What does that do to the governor's race? What does that do to the other congressional races? Uh, I'm not sure, but it is going to be an interesting night in the heartland here in Iowa on Tuesday night. Tell me then, from some of the people you just mentioned you talked to, what are they seeing nationwide? Well, they're, they're seeing nationwide. I think exactly what you're saying is that the the Senate is going to stay in Republican hands, probably gain two to four seats. They believe the House could go either way, but it is not going to be the blue wave that's going to have Nancy Pelosi be your Speaker of the House. It's going to be, if it, if it does go Democrat, it's going to be narrowly Democrat, and then she does not have the votes to be Speaker of the House. So that would be a good news in a bad news scenario, so to speak, if the Democrats actually take the U.S. House. But I don't think you're seeing a, a blue wave, a blue tsunami coming like a lot of people have predicted. Now, that being said, if everybody's saying, well, you know what, look at 2016, look at 2016, you can't predict this stuff, you can't predict this stuff, and all of a sudden the Democrats really do show up, in a major way, and then all of a sudden you might be losing some of these races that you thought were nip and tuck by maybe three to four percentage points. I'm glad you brought up 2016. So I have, you know, I, I, I would love to sit here all day, every show, and destroy progressivism, all right? It, it, I believe it's the greatest threat to our way of life in this era. I think it is the heresy spirit of the age that mm-hmm. we are up against. Um, the problem is, on the way to 
on the way to fighting progressivism, it's like I'm walking down the, the aisle to get into the ring. And I often get stopped by people wearing my uniform, peddling total and complete horse bleep on my way into the ring. That's one of the problems that we have right yeah, and now. So I, and so I, I, I'm like, hey, you know, I'll get to you progressives in a second. This guy's lying over here. All right. So I, I, I'm constantly stopped on my yeah. way into the ring to fight the progressives by people wearing my own uniform, cheering me on, who just are spouting total BS. One of them is the polls were wrong in 2016. Now, I have pointed this out numerous times throughout the course of this year. But one last time yesterday, I went back and looked it up. Okay. Here's the actual data of 2016. The real clear politics polling average, and you know, if I pick one Emerson poll over here and one YouGov gov poll over here, are they going to be way wrong? Yeah, that's why only idiots do that. That's mm-hmm. called cherry picking. All right, you're, you're looking to defend a narrative. You're not looking for what's actually true. The real clear politics national polling average, the end of the 2016 election, had Hillary Clinton winning the national popular vote by 3.3 points. She won it by 2.1. Your staff, when you ask them, you know, give me some projections on donations or, you know, et cetera. If, if, if they're off by 1.2 points, are they getting fired or getting raises? What do you think? And when you're talking about millions. Yes. I mean, you're not talking about a small number. You're talking about millions. Yeah. You have to extrapolate this. Yeah. You're exactly, you're exactly right. And that's the problem is that in a party or in a movement, a conservative movement that says, you know what? Data matters. To ignore data mm-hmm. and to just go on emotion is reckless. And that's my matter of fact, when I was visiting with this guy last night, Steve, I said to him, is this what you want to have happen? Mm-hmm. Or is this what the dad is suggesting? That's a key question. You're yeah. going to have happen. Yes. So there, there's not, there's not a business manager, industry leader within the sound of my voice right now who wouldn't love it. If with this wide of a potential sample, the people doing his actuarial work, his projections, et cetera, question. were within 1.2 points of the actual outcome. With this many variables, they take it every, every, every time. The RCP average had Trump winning Florida by 0.4 points. He won it by 1.2 points. That's pretty darn good, don't you think? In Florida, and, that's and really Florida good. And Florida has been the most, the most divisive projection election state of the last 30 years, even going before the hanging Chad era, all right? Uh, the RCP average had Trump winning Ohio by 2.2. He won it by 8.1. So it undervalued Trump's support in the state, but it still picked him to win that state. Mm-hmm. It had Hillary winning Michigan by 3.6, and Trump won it by 0.3. But the final poll of the state in the RCP average actually had Trump winning it. So it was trending in his his direction. There's a reason why he went there. Yes. The RCP average had Hillary winning Wisconsin by 6.5 points. All the polling in this state was bad. Trump never led any of those polls whatsoever. He won the state by 0.7. So that's the state where the polling was clearly bad, no doubt. The so R- Scott Walker has a chance. Maybe he has a chance. He might. Um, the RCP average had um, uh, had Hillary winning Pennsylvania by 2.7 points. However, two of the final three polls in the state had it tied or Trump winning. So he won the state by 0.7 points. And again, it was trending in the right direction. The RCP average had Trump winning North Carolina by 0.3 points. He did win that state by three points. The RCP average had Trump winning Nevada by 0.8 points. Hillary won the state by 2.4 points. I don't see a bunch of conservative media saying the polls were wrong. Look, they got Nevada wrong. (laughs) Notice we kind of conveniently leave that. They had hit Trump winning it, and he lost by a couple of points. It's just not true to say the polls were wrong in 2016. Now, that doesn't mean they're right in 2018. Congressional polling is not the same. 
uh, as off your uh, election is not the same. It, it's not. You know, when I did my projections in 2014 for the Washington Times, where I was writing at the time, people told me I was nuts. I projected a nine seat swing for Republicans, or and they, and that's what they got in that election. People said there was no way they'd do better than six or seven, and I was right because there's when you're dealing with anecdote, there's there are more anecdotal factors in lower turnout elections. Okay, but if you're basing your belief that Republicans are going to do better than what the prognosticators think tomorrow, and it's based off the polls were wrong in 2016, you are you have fallen for a canard. It's just, it's simply not true because you have to understand what a poll is. A poll is not prophecy. It is a projection. And it's a projection to get you within a range. And here they darn near nailed the general election. The three states they got wrong, they got one wrong pro-Trump, one wrong pro-Hillary, and the other one they got wrong was basically a tie that was trending in the direction that it went for Trump. That's a pretty good track record, actually. Well, it is is a good track record, and it's a projection, it's a snapshot in time, and it also shows you a trend. And that's why you look at polls. But the thing is, to ignore data, Mm -hmm. you do it at your own peril. But we're doing the same thing with our media choices. We've talked about this before. We don't go to media outlets today to be informed, to have an actual discussion. We go to our media outlets so that we be we can be affirmed that we are right. So therefore, when you look at some of these polls, say, well, they're completely off base. That's that's just what they wanted to say. It's because you want to say something different. I mean, I got into a little bit of a discussion argument with somebody I respect a great deal, businessman, but he got upset with me because I didn't give him the projections as optimistic as he would have liked them. Mm-hmm. But do you think he runs his business like that, by the way? <laughs> Absolutely not. Do you think do you think, do you think his bottom line of, of the business he's built and the payroll he's got to meet is based off of if wishes were horses or what the actual data is? Absolutely. It's always about what the data is and what yeah. the trends are and what the market will support, all those types of things. All the stuff that we make wise decisions in the business world, we cannot just excuse them in the political world. Are polls going to be wrong tomorrow night? There's going to be some polls that are going to be way wrong sure. tomorrow night. Yep. We understand that what we're looking for is averages and those who have respect and credibility with polling versus somebody that just showed up and said, I'll do a poll. So with that being said now, you are in charge of, in our state, the biggest conservative organization. And I mean, it's a pretty, it, it, it's playing in numerous different states now. Mm-hmm. You are going to people like the businessman you just said, hey, donate money to us trust our track record of where to invest this, where we can win the messaging that's needed. So you need, you've got your own data people here on your staff at Mm -hmm. the family leader, and then you're making the decisions about where to earmark and allocate resources about what's the best return on investment for what our donors are giving us. So you're on both sides of this equation. Give our audience without giving away any, you know, trade secrets or proprietary information as best you can though. What's your read? What, what's your strategy here in the last 24 hours and what's it been for the last few days? Well, it's all been about turnout, and it's about been turnout about get the people of faith who believe in the inerrancy of Scripture that Jesus is the way, not a way, to have an impact, to be a voice in this election, to be the Nathan to the David, to be the prophet to the king, all that. But in, in the United States of America and in the state of Iowa and these other states that we play in, we have the opportunity to do this. Now, what we don't know, I mean, we can turn out the best that we can, but if, if say, the Democrats— show up in a presidential style, which a lot, some people are predicting, they're just going to way outkick their coverage. You haven't seen anything like this coming. And there is precedent for this. Sure. It, it's what we saw in 2010 and 2014, where Republicans showed up presidential style 
And the Democrats didn't have Obama on the ticket to boost their base turnout. And that was one of the reasons we saw those two midterm elections go the way that they did. Well, without question, you take a look at 2006, you take a look at 2010, take mm-hmm. a look at 2014, and now you're going to have 2018 to add to the mix. Now you have a better economy than you had in any of those midterm elections as way, well. Way That's better economy. Factors, and there's yeah. a lot of positive trends taking place. Mm-hmm. But the fact is people are still upset that Trump is the president. And so what does that, how does that play out? I would love to believe data wins. That's why you and I have argued for President Trump for a long time in his administration. Stick to the issues, stick to the data, get away from the emotions, because if it's all about data, if it's all about the issues, the country's moving in the right direction, we should win. On Tuesday night, when I say we, I'm talking very loosely, we, but we should win on Tuesday night. The fact is when you start throwing in all the emotion, all the reason to be upset and put gas on the fire, now you kind of it's kind of guesswork. But I think what's going to happen is that third district's going to be awfully close here in the state of Iowa. I think your governor's race could be a late night on the governor's race. And the first district, as I already told you, I think that's going to be, uh, I think Rod Blum's going to have to pull something out to outkick his coverage to say that he can beat Finkenauer tomorrow night. Final thing I want to ask you about uh, is the uh, the left me get celebrated author Stephen King chiming in. All right. I mean, there are, there are numerous elements on the left that want to make Steve King a national issue. Oh, sure. With, and, and I haven't even followed much of it very closely, you know? So I just know he has malaprompted a few times in general. Uh, but uh, yeah, Ted Cruz has tried to distance himself because every race now they're being asked about Steve King's comments, mm-hmm. okay? Um, when you guys are on the ground, you're canvassing, you're talking to people. How much of an issue... now? You're, I'm guessing your base of people you want to turn out isn't as mobilized by this, obviously, or isn't as persuaded by this. But could there be a scenario where he wins? I mean, he just dominated a congressional race a few years ago against a popular former first lady. Mm-hmm. If, he, if a guy like Steve King only wins by, say, four or five points. I can't believe that's because in this kind of a divisive election, there's some moderate Republicans that don't want to vote for him. I I would tend to think it's because we have found out who every Democrat in his district is, and he drove them out. And while they're there, I would imagine they're probably not voting for your Republican governor. They're probably voting Mm -hmm. for the Democratic governor. Is that one of those? Because I'm always telling our audience, I want to make them smarter consumers of political media. Look at the local parochial things going on the ground that that are missed by national pundits and pollsters that could make it for a surprising outcome. Could he cost, could these comments, could could they so diminish uh, or so raise turnout of Democrats in a Republican bastion in your state that it cost you a governor's mansion, for example. Without question, you talked about early on about your informant saying, you know, we don't know if Kim Rams will have the coattails for some of these congressional mm-hmm. people. Uh, the reverse of that is true too. Will some of these congressional races be a drag on her? So if Steve King's race is much closer than it should be, when we talk about, you know, four to seven points, that's much closer than what it should be. That could actually be a drag on Governor Reynolds winning the governorship. And with Steve King, yes, he will he will drive out every Democrat because of everything that's been taking place. We like a lot of what Steve King does. We don't always we would never do it the same way he does it or say things the same way he does it, or maybe have the meeting that he has, those type of things. But usually on our issues, he's been rock solid. However, not only will he force every Democrat out to vote against him. But there's been a lot of establishment-type Republicans who have been waiting for a day to cast their vote against him to basically send him a message. Well, you had Karl Rove come out over the weekend saying it's about time for Steve King to go. Yeah. 
I think Karl Rove probably has other reasons to dislike Steve King long before he became Mr. I mean, Karl repre- Rove, Rove doesn't like conservatives. Yeah, but he's representative of some of those in his district yeah. who may be waiting to do that very thing. Okay. Bob, good to see you, man. Appreciate it. Good to see you. God bless. So uh, when we went down to uh, do this partnership between The Blaze and CRTV a a few weeks ago, I was down there in studio with Glenn and Stu and Pat, and they were talking about this this company. I'd never heard of it before called – they were talking about home title fraud is what they were talking about. And I'm listening to this. I'm like, you mean they can – somebody can just like go online and take your – title of your home away from you. It cannot be that easy. Um, well, it is. They can forge your name. They can transfer your home title. Uh, they, they can take out massive loans using your equity, stick you with the payments, um, particularly retirees. They're going after them who may not be the most tech savvy and have all that equity built into their home. Uh, you won't know it either until the bank notices begin to pour in. And yeah, I've already got identity theft protection but it does not cover the title to your home, which is often the biggest investment you're ever going to make. So if you own a home, if you own rentals, if you've got elderly parents that are retired right now, get Home Title Lock. For pennies a day, Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect any sinister activity, they're on it, helping to shut it down. Your home's title may already be compromised. Find out. Sign up at HomeTitleLock.com for your free title scan and report. That's $100 value for free. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. So what is a righteous immigration policy? We're going to discuss that coming up with Hour 2, live here on The Blaze, on demand at CRTV. Back here with Hour 2 of the Steve Day Show, live on The Blaze, on demand at CRTV. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Don't forget, Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And just to follow up the point I made earlier in Hour 1, for those of you that are just tuning in, if, if I were running Fox News... I mean, CNN and MSNBC are doing get out the vote for Democrats. Fox says get out the vote for the Republicans. Let's not lie to each other and pretend anybody's fair and balanced here. Let's just be adults. We're all consenting adults here. We're all consenting to the scam of America's tribalistic political paradigm. So let's not pee on each other and claim that it's raining. All right. So that's what these cable networks do. They're targeting their demographics and doing get out the vote for their chosen tribe. All right. So Fox is doing get out the vote for Republicans. And what did I say earlier, gentlemen? If I were running Fox News today, it would be the Crenshaw channel. The idea that Saturday Night Live, I'd make them the, the, the face of the American left, ragging on an American veteran, taking a personal shot at him for losing an eye for his country. You want, that's the clickiest clickbait that ever damn clicked right there. That'll click that, that is some clickbait that will click itself, is that. You say to an audience whose average age is 68 years old and have been doing, they came out of the womb saying the Pledge of Allegiance that a bunch of commie leftists on Saturday Night Live are ragging on a veteran for losing an eye. I have no idea what, what the number of every able-bodied senior citizen voter in America is, but I think we'd find out tomorrow. I know that. Instead, what they're doing is lining up all these slanted wonks to thread the data needle like a camel through the eye of a needle here. Case in point, I'm sitting here. First 
clip in my Twitter feed. Fox News, Kennedy Nation on midterms. And here's the cryon. Whether Trump has been a game changer, as polls show Republicans are likely to hold the Senate. That's, a, that's an example of what I'm talking about. Are we filleting people or you want to mobilize them? All right, so this is where you're looking for the most. See, this is, again, the difference between conservative media and liberal media. Liberal media lies to their people about the issues, convincing their audience that everybody wants Sodom and Gomorrah, and they don't. But they almost never lie to their people about the horse race. When they're behind, they drive their people out. Conservative media lies to their people about the horse race. We're always winning. We're, we're Alabama every time. We're going to win every race, every campaign, and every poll that is fake news, which they're all skewed. It's all a lie every time. So every voter that thinks Trump is a game changer, like no one is getting up tomorrow and saying, you know, I really wasn't sure if Trump colluded with Putin or not. That's how I've thought about it. Yeah, I kind of think he did. So I'm going to vote Democrat. That voter doesn't exist. That voter does not exist. Neither does the voters like, you know, man, I've been debating with myself how great Trump truly is. And I've just finally decided he's the hostess with the most. So I'm going to, I wasn't going to vote tomorrow. So, but now that voter's already in. They're already baked into the cake. You need to get the people, Todd, you believe still exist, right? That's, more of them than you exist. Yeah, yeah, because I do think they exist. You just think there's more of them than me. We, we disagree on how many of those voters there are. We would probably agree, though. They would respond to their mocking veterans now for losing an eye for their country. If you want to do get out the vote, that's, that ought to be what they're doing all day today on Fox instead of Trump, how great thou art. All right? I, I think that voter has already voted nine times. Like my all-time favorite clip from the 2008 election, that CNN guy who's live on the air, I tried to, I've chose to vote a couple times. I don't think you can do that. I mean, that, everybody who's voted on how great Trump art has already voted nine times. They'll be there tomorrow. They'll try to vote in other states. They agree how great Trump art. They're there. And everybody who believes in like Russian collusion and all that garbage, they're all voting too. You're looking for the last remnant of persuadables, man. And there aren't many left. Mocking a veteran like that would find you some persuadables. Just saying. Okay? Just saying. All right. Let's talk about actual policy instead of the horse race. Heather Timmons joins us now here today on the Steve Day Show, live on the Blaze on demand at CRTV. Heather, good to have you with us. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. And, you know, we're going to talk about immigration and that kind of stuff. But here's what I want to talk about before we get there. I want to talk about who is Heather Timmons? Who do you work for? Tell us what courts is. And, you know, if you have any likes, dislikes, turn ons, turn on, like long walks on the beach. But I mean, so we're not we don't straw men one another. Who is okay. the person known as Heather Timmons? Um, I am. Um, I think you and I first talked right after the election. I moved back to the U.S. after being overseas for 15 years and I moved back to cover this administration. And so um, I left America and I worked for The New York Times in London and in India and I started working for courts in Hong Kong. Um, I was out of the country for 15 years. I, I, I left. I left before there was Facebook. I left right soon after 9/11, really. Um, and so I am here now in DC for Courts. It was started by the Atlantic Magazine. Um, we are an online sort of news business publication. Um, we are frankly written for people whose jobs depend on globalism, for people that are dependent on trade, for people that um, move around the world a lot. And uh, I've been in D.C. now since December of 2016. So here I am. 
when you decided to call me as a as a source for a story, how did I get on your radar? I think I read something about I was I was assigned to go to CPAC and I was just trying to figure out what this conservative moment movement was now in America. You know, I like everyone else before the 2016 election, you know, assumed we'd have a much different um we'd be having a much different government going forward. So so I was scrambling like everyone to figure it out and um I called you and you told me that the only thing holding the conservative movement together was the hatred of mainstream media. And I thought that was um, so accurate that I think you and I have talked on and off since then. Hmm. What's your perception of me and what I believe? What's your perception of that? (laughs) Um, You know what? It's interesting to hear you talk about Fox News just now and how they're I mean, I think we all realize no matter what part of the political spectrum you're on, they have become the Trump is great, nothing the administration is doing is bad channel. And and it's so destructive to conversations for all of us in America. You know, it's not just bad for the liberal media. As you said, it's it's bad for Republican voters. You know, if, if the Senate doesn't do as well as they think, what are they going to tell people? And people are going to be really upset. Um so that, uh, I think that your ability to find some middle ground and criticize this administration uh, is really useful right now. You know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of conversations we're all having and trying to have across the political spectrum and we try to come to some sort of agreement. And I think when you've got someone out there like Fox News, it's just like, this is, everything is great. It's all fine. Nothing to see here. It's really dangerous for all of us. Would you view... Because I agree, I don't think it's good for the truth. I don't think it's even good for my cause as a conservative. Right, you know, right. I mean, I, I could like, you know, I'm wearing my my blue today, okay. But right. I could right. like never work in the Mich- University of Michigan's sports information department mm-hmm. because when we lose to Ohio, if, when we, I'm gonna lose it, okay. And I'm not right. gonna sit there and have an excuse every time. Like everybody's fired, revoke every scholarship. <laughs> losing sucks. Tell me how we win. We're not victims. We need to score more points next time, right? So that's just the way I'm wired. A lot of people aren't wired that way. They like mm-hmm. to be. They like to be patted on the head and have the tummy rubbed and said, "Yeah, you're a victim," right? So right. I, I don't. I don't think Fox is, is, is when they do that. SID Act is helping my conservative cause, mm-hmm. but I'm also. I also don't think when I when CNN and MSNBC decide. Everything he does is bad. When Anna Navarro gets up on a on a seventy degree day in February and tweets Trump's to blame for for climate change, I don't think mm-hmm. that serves any particular cause as well. And what I'm struggling to find is people who see it that way. They they you, there's a lot of people in our industry where places mm-hmm. where you work or where I work that really notice the other side's nitwits really mm-hmm. struggle to say why do I have nitwits wearing my own uniform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. CNN is in such a special, not, I don't mean to say special in a good way, in a, in a unique position because I think a lot of having been in the White House um, press room and, and seeing the interactions that CNN has with people in the White House when the cameras aren't on, a lot of that is for show. You know, these folks, a lot of them get along really well. Mm-hmm. You know, put the fight on. You mean it's like pro wrestling? Put the arguments on for the cameras and yeah. then, you know, it's. When it's the White House correspondent's Christmas party, everybody's hugging and kissing. So it's, you know. It's pro wrestling. That's what I've told my audience. I've seen the same thing. I think most of this is pro wrestling. I don't think, I don't even think CNN believes anything other than 
we think there is a market to be uh, uh, to clickbait the hell out of Donald Trump. And it's it's actually not working for their primetime audience, but it's it's diminishing even more. But I I agree with you. I think I think I've had I've had producers at CNN. I've never named the network before, but for the first time I will. I've talked about this before without naming the network. It was CNN. I've had producers at CNN on more than one occasion in the past year call to have me on as a panelist. And then when they do the pre-interview and they find that I don't conform to their Venn diagram. Uh, they tell me that they're not interested in my opinion. They just want sides, which means that's that's what we're talking about. This is pro wrestling. They they want Dusty the American Dream Rhodes against Ric Flair, and that the audience decide whether they like Ric Flair or Dusty Rhodes. Who's the hero? Who's the heel? That's 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 not any that's that's not here's a banana. That's infotainment. When you agree, mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about here. Infotainment. I, I think you know there's some good journalists there. There's some great journalists there, just like there are anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, it's so funny, interesting to listen to this White House when they've been getting really mad recently um, at journalists for asking questions about, you know, extremist, homegrown extremist terrorism, seeing people like the Pittsburgh shooter and you get journalists that start asking questions and the White House will fight back by saying, you know, you're the problem. You're the reason that, that these guys are getting radicalized. And I think what's interesting is the White House and Trump particularly, when they get their news, a lot of what they do is they just write, they watch these cable news shows. They're not reading the, you know, the well-reported written, maybe mm-hmm. tedious for Trump to go through stuff that's really well-researched, that's quoting terrorism experts and, and law enforcement folks and plenty of Republicans saying, this kind of hate speech is dangerous. For example, you know, you get this sort of sense that the White House is pretty much focused on the wrestling match, as you say, and that's it. I think that's why I asked you, what's your perception of me and what I believe? Because I think I think this sort of straw man creation is convenient and happens absolutely everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I saw it just a, a, earlier today, Paul Krugman saying that um, uh, that people like me consider Dinesh D'Souza a leading intellectual. And, 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 and I like some of what he says, but he's, he's done other things I'm not comfortable with, which is why when they've tried to book him on my show for the last couple of years, I have not followed up with it. Okay. So th- th- there's a lot of what you're describing and, and it's not relegated to one side or the other. And, you know, we had a, my my editor who is is on the panel here with me um, every day. Todd is a, is an ardent Catholic, and mm-hmm. I mean, I put the fun in fundamentalism as an evangelical. Okay, uh, we just did like you know an hour, a two hour, an hour show last week on the anniversary of the Reformation, and there are mm-hmm. key things we abs- absolutely disagree on. But I wanted my evangelical Protestant audience to hear what Todd actually believes before deciding whether they disagree rather than just immediately saying he's Catholic. So I think he's part of, you know, an aberrant church that's not Christian anymore. And we do this in the media. And I, and when I say we, I think it's across the spectrum, this idea that the minute I have you labeled or you belong to a tribe, I don't have to take you seriously as an individual human being anymore. And I just get to label you and therefore decide your usefulness based on your tribe. This is happening across the spectrum right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think, and this is Washington too, I think, you know, this is my first time living here. So it's sort of a, it's this mysterious town where, yes, people do get into their little bubbles and their little tribes and that's what they do. All right, so I wanted us to have this sort of conversation before diving right in. 
Um, okay. because I wanted our audience to get to know uh, a gal named Heather. And then I wanted you to get a chance to talk to a guy named Steve, because in the end, we're just, we're human beings here, not constructs, not algorithms, not formulas, not, you know, um, uh, motor functioning vats of political ideologies. We're people. Okay. And I think it's important to make the personal connection first. And sure. now I'm going to let you ask me anything you want to ask me from any premise you want to ask me about the immigration issue, which is the really the heart of one of the most divisive debates we have in America today. Okay. All right. Let me, let me do one thing, which is take one step back just so that you understand where my questions are coming from. I, you know, as I said, I, I left New York um, city not that long after nine 11. I, I covered that. I was a banking reporter then, you know, I still somewhere have a Rolodex full of dozens of sources that died. Um, and I have always been, haunted by the mistakes that the federal government made leading up to 9-11. And this is what the Department of Homeland Security, the creation of this giant agency, which covers immigration and TSA and domestic terrorism and all this stuff, it was supposed to prevent something like that from ever mm -hmm. happening again. Mm -hmm. So I've, 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 since I've been here, I've been just sort of watching, you know, it's got a $50 billion budget. It's probably ridiculous for me to think a federal agency with a $50 billion budget is going to be well run. But they are spending so much time and money and energy on immigration right now. And this is not, you know, as we've seen in the events past few weeks, this is not, this doesn't really, these folks in a caravan thousands of miles away don't pose a present danger to anyone in America. But, you know, an anti-Semitic guy with a gun really does. And so this is my, just to give you a background, this is where I'm coming from. So I guess what I want to ask you first about immigration is, how much do you think the current debate is has been driven by the White House's desire to try to get people to fear something and bring them to the polls? I think um, theologically, I believe in total depravity. So I think almost everything <laughs> Barack Obama, Donald Trump, even guys I like, Ted Cruz, who I've worked for, taking a paycheck from Ted Cruz, okay? <laughs> I think almost all of them regardless of how noble or virtuous they may be in their private lives. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, as the great prophet show, as Snoop Dogg once said, this show bidding it. Okay. So mm -hmm. I think almost all of it is done. Everything is said every, I mean, Barack Obama yesterday is claiming right now we have the highest middle-class wage growth we've had in a quarter century. And he's giving speeches yesterday claiming uh, that um, uh, the, the family income is on the line in this election. Okay. I mean, this is all just done primarily for the, for, to get the election outcome that we want. So if you're going to ask me in general on Donald Trump, see, I've been arguing for tougher immigration long before Trump came down the escalator. All right. And long before Trump went back when Trump wanted to run on China, was 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 forging our currency. So mm -hmm. in general, if you're going to ask me how much of what Trump says do you believe he believes and how much of it is to get an outcome politically he wants, this could be a real short conversation on any <laughs> issue. I'm going to grant he he has a random id and super ego in motion, all right? So I think I think the the better question to ask if I were in your shoes is this. Assuming he's doing it, why does it work? What is he tapping into? Why is his base mobilized? First of all, it gave him a base. You know, I, I was one of the first people ever called to run for president, Heather. And mm -hmm. I thought he had no path. And he was going nowhere. Even, even as, uh, he couldn't build a base on Jeb Bush's weak 
And China is a bad trade partner. People laughed. They thought it was funny in Iowa, but he built no base. He got a base on the immigration issue. And, and I think you need that. The question, and it comes down to, do you want to know the answer? If you want, because do you want to know what the answer actually is? That's why I asked you what your perception of me is. Because if your answer is he built a base on immigration because everybody that doesn't want this country to be the U- to, to be open borders is a racist, well, again, this is going to be a really short conversation. If you want to know why he built his base on the issue of immigration and why it is such a lightning rod issue that transcends Donald Trump, see, the immigration issue made Trump. Trump didn't make the immigration issue. The immigration issue blew up the Republican coalition at the end of the Bush years. The immigration issue was one of the main reasons John McCain struggled all along to build, to, to turn his base out in the 08 election. The immigration issue has been the fourth rail on the right for several years. And there's reasons for that other than everybody that doesn't want the country to have an open border is a racist. So I think for someone like you, you've got to ask yourself, do I want to know what those answers are or do I want the answer to be everybody's a racist that doesn't agree with me? And I don't know that. I don't know you well enough to know which angle to this you're looking for. Well, I don't think I'm looking for an angle. I I think, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't be talking to you right now if I thought your entire platform was you're just a racist. I really wouldn't. There's no point. What's the point? Agreed. Um, What's the point? What's the point of doing something like that? I guess what, you know, you're talking about the Bush immigration plan, and we went back and looked at that. It was, I I guess what I would love to get from this conversation is what should we be doing about it? Can you and I have a conversation that leads to a, you know, something larger? Is there something, some common ground that we can all find? I think we could. There was, a, there, there was a dialogue recently on Twitter between Mark Krikorkian of mm-hmm. the uh, Center for American Immigration Reform, which would be probably to the right of even me on immigration, okay? Mm-hmm. And Matt, Matt Iglesias, who has essentially gone nuts and has become crazy. And, and everybody who doesn't, who doesn't think Marx was onto something is a racist homophobe. Now that's Matt Iglesias' uh, Twitter feed. That's what it's become. But what was fascinating is they had this ongoing dialogue on immigration and it was not the conclusion they disagreed with. It was the premise. All right. See, immigration is the only issue in America. And I mean, the only one that we begin from the premise of what's best for the people breaking what's best and most humane for the people breaking the law. We do not begin from that premise on any abortion, marriage, we don't, no issue, taxes, health care. No other issue begins from that premise. And you talking about seeking asylum by crossing the border or, or people well, what define who gets to decide who's seeking asylum. It does any, do you think anybody that comes over the border asking asylum ought to be given to it sight unseen every single time? No, And they're not, you know, they go through a, they go through a long interview. There's a huge backlog. It's a, it's a mess. It is an expensive, disastrous mess. And it has been for 20 years, at least if not 40. All right. Now, know? now we're getting somewhere. Oh, 20 years, 40 years. See, mm-hmm. I, I think you could, immigration is, is the biggest hot button issue that doesn't have to be. And the reason why it doesn't have to be is because there really aren't too many Americans that really want to go out and round up every Honduran and Mexican family that's been allowed to squat here and build a life and throw them out. There really aren't that many Americans. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is not this really, is this is, this is not an existential debate. Like when does human life begin? Is that thing in the womb, a child, a person or not? Okay. This is the immigration debate really stems from the fact we're not a nation of laws and never have been. We're a nation of political will and always will be. There is no will 
on either side's mainstream political party leadership to fix the issue. And here's why. The Democrats want new voters and the Republicans want cheap labor. And as long as that impulse continues to drive both sides' desires here, then we're never going to have a solution. And you're going to have more people like my stepdad. All right. So my stepdad worked, was, was a union guy his whole life. Union construction, master carpenter, didn't step on a job site for less than $29.50 an hour plus benefits. And mm-hmm. then ended up having to take early retirement because the illegals just started doing his job for $8.50 an hour, no benefits. And when one of them, you know, sawed their hand off or blew up their thumb with a hammer, they just, uh, like sheeple, shipped him out and brought the next illegal in to take his job. All right. Mm-hmm. And, and what the Democrats want to do is give that illegal that took his job voter registration card. And what the Republicans want to do is they don't really care if he gets a voter registration card or not. They just want their chamber of commerce buddies to be able to pay him eight fifty an hour instead of the twenty nine fifty an hour. My master carpenter stepdad has earned because he's a damn master carpenter. And um, you, you ought to be paid what your what your skill level is. What happened to his union? Is it still around? Uh, Well, the problem that, well, now this is where the Democratic Party is a consortium of constituency groups. Mm -hmm. And right now, a union um, carpenter guy on the intersectionality scale is way below rainbow jihad activists and 17 other, um, you know, uh, intersectionality groups. And so- and so that's that's why that guy's voting for Trump. My stepdad, by the way, would never vote for Trump. Can't stand him. Mm-hmm. You know what he does? Just doesn't vote. And mm-hmm. that that was a guy that was a loyal Democratic voter for 25 years. And right now he's either voting for Trump or not voting. And that's the and my stepdad is the 2016 election. That's the that's the guy that either Trump got to switch or stayed home and didn't vote for Hillary. Okay, mm-hmm. because that guy has been told his job is not as important as. Giving then then using illegals as a voter registration drive, or what the temperature in the in the world might be ten thousand years from now, and so they've got to use their their jobs have got to go, and that's and and that's really what's at the heart of this debate. If if we just secured the to me, we can end this problem very simply, and and this isn't about we oversimplify problems. Most of the time, problems are not simple. The healthcare is not, hey, just give everybody a subsidy or just give everybody portability. It's not that simple, okay? Um, but immigration really is. Here's how you could really just solve it overnight. You simply just say, um, anybody that has committed a further crime while they're in the country never comes back ever again. Everybody that was in the country illegally that we let stay here that didn't commit a crime, you are you are never permitted to get a citizen become a citizen or vote. That's your restitution. You will be giving permanent worker visa status, um, and you can keep your job if you have one as long as you have one. And there are no welfare state benefits to any illegal except for uh, and you know a life and death emergency situation. And other than that, God bless America, and we secure the border, and we all move on with our lives. And, and I think you're missing the jobs part, though. You know, and when I, I spent a lot of time talking to guys from ICE and the uh, so the ICE border, I mean, the ICE union uh, head and I had this long conversation where he sounds very similar to you and what he's saying and that nobody really wants to fix this problem. They've been pushing for a long time to make businesses use something called E-Verify. Mm-hmm. It just means when you when you hire somebody, whether it's for temp work or, or, you know, as an employee, that they definitely are verified. They have a social security number. They're here legally. It doesn't seem that hard. You know what I mean? We can set up computer systems. They can do everything. Local chambers of commerce have refused to back it. They don't want to do it. Yeah. You know, they don't these are the people that these are these, these are the people I have gone up against in Republican primaries all over the country. Why? Because see, I want us, I want you and I, 
assuming based on who you're working for, and, and if I'm wrong, I don't want to straw man you, so you know, slap me around, okay? But assuming who you're working for, I would imagine there are some core cultural differences on what's a life, what's a marriage, what should the size and scope of government be between us. I want you and I to be freed up to have that debate in the open, in elections. The problem mm-hmm. is, Chamber of Commerce kind of Republicans, they want they don't care about any of those existential debates. Their only argument with folks on your end of the aisle is, um, we want the money to go to our corporate buddies where we're going to whore ourselves out for them instead. Um, and they hate people like me much more than they can't stand people like you because people like me want elections to actually be about debates with folks like you. They want the only debate to be how much free, how much economic development pork can we use government graft to line the pockets of our donor class buddies with? And you're laughing. I've been in these primaries against these people all over the country. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. No, no, I don't. I don't disagree with you. I don't agree with you. There's a whole lot of how much money can we funnel to corporations going on right now, particularly in the Republican Party. It, it just is. And, and I think, you know, this is another part of the immigration thing we need to talk about, though. I'm, I'm a business reporter first. And we economically need immigrants. We don't have a birth rate of native-born people that will keep, you know, our we, that will keep the population going. You mean there's we, a societal cost to killing 60 million children since January 28th, 1973? I'm. I just want to say, as a kid that was born July 28th, 1973, whose mom was 15 and almost aborted him, I'm totally shocked that there's a societal cost. We have eliminated 60 million potential citizens. I I can't believe that that actually has a cost that, to just remove that a hefty portion of your tax base. Wow, I'm I'm stunned at that news. How about you? Are you stunned at that news? <laughs> this is not an issue I'm debating with you. Okay. We're not talking. We're not talking choice and not choice. We're just not. It's just not. It's not what I'm here to do. But I think we we you know we need to think about. I spend. My my father had a small business. Mm-hmm. My brother, one of them's got a construction business. The other one's got a restaurant business. They both hire legal all the time, and they struggle. They're both in Colorado. Um, you know, my, my my brother with his construction business is out there. He's hiring baby boomer guys with DUIs that he's got to pick up from their job sites because they can't drive and all this stuff. You know what I mean? They're having a really hard time finding labor to fill these jobs. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's, it's constricting our economy. It is. And it's not enough to say if we get rid of all of these immigrants, then everybody is going to pay tons of money. You know, my brother with his construction business, he said, I can't pay somebody $25 an hour to push a broom right now. Like it's just, it's nuts. And this is up in the mountains in Colorado. So real estate is, you know, rent is expensive. All these things are expensive. But again, looking at this from an economic point of view, from a, are we, are we spending our resources at the Department of Homeland Security on the right thing point of view? Like, I just don't, this, this administration's focus on demonizing immigrants is, is just, it's a waste of money also on top of everything else. All right. We've got to get, are we close to the break here? Aaron, is that, that what you're trying right. to tell me? Yep. Okay. Heather, can you hold on for a few minutes? Sure. All right. Mm-hmm. We'll come back. Heather Timmons is here with us. She is a White House D.C.-based reporter for Quartz.com, talking immigration from the right and the left. Stay tuned. Live on The Blaze, On Demand, CRTV. All right, back here live on The Blaze on demand at CRTV. For those of you that are listening to the podcast version of this later on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, at all, if you have time today, 
If you like the way we do this, uh, leave us a five-star review. Those certainly, the more they pile up, the more people that uh, find out about us. Now, if you don't like the show, don't lie. You know, but maybe just kind of keep that to yourself. But if you do like the show, we would appreciate one of those five-star reviews. Also, even if you don't have time to write a review, do you have three seconds to click subscribe on your podcast platform? Because again, the more people that subscribe, that helps to get the word of mouth out there for more subscribers. And thank you to all of you that have done all of those things already. I want to thank Heather Timmons for being with us here today, this hour, talking immigration on The Blaze and CRTV. She is the White House D.C. correspondent for courts. Here's what I want to do in response to what you brought up at the end uh, of the last hour. Because of the time allotment we have and because having known Donald Trump and know many other politicians, I don't believe any of them are worthy of me using whatever little integrity I still have left to defend them in their comments. I want to try and address as much of the substance of the issue as we possibly can. Okay. So you brought, I brought in a real world example, like my stepdad and what's happened to him with immigration and his job. You brought in, and it's interesting. So the conservative brought in his, his working class stepdad's sob story in a way. Uh, the, 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 I guess, are you okay with being labeled liberal progressive? I mean, that, the Atlantic, that's kind of what you are, right? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So the more liberal progressive person brought in her business owner family's perspective. So right away, we're already, we're already, we're intermingling here. We're crossing the streams. All right. So I'm for the little guy. You're for the business owner. All right. But here's, well, here's talking about businesses with, you know, five employees, like really right? tiny. And, and, that's my what, brother, and that's where most jobs are created in America are those right. kinds of businesses. But you, right. you just, I own this business. I own this show. I vendor right. it out to the Blaze and CRTV. Todd and Aaron are my employees. Their paycheck comes from me, not from the Blaze and CRTV. So I'm a small business owner. All right. So if, 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 if I propose to your family members that they go, they have to sign up by law for E-Verify. Mm-hmm. I they, think they'd be. That, to that do. they would yeah. face punitive, and I mean highly punitive penalties for violating it ever, even on a first offense. All right, and no clerical error, you know, excuses. Okay, and and if they've got people in the country illegally who pass through the system, who are eligible for permanent guest worker residency status because they've committed mm-hmm. no other crimes. All right, would they sign up for that? Oh, definitely, definitely. And I don't want to give you the impression that they're hiring anyone illegal because as far as they know they're not like they're both really careful about it which is why we're talking about you know trying to trying to dig up guys to do work um i think so yeah i'm sure they would so i think and that's yeah and it just hasn't really been an an option i don't think why do you think it hasn't been an option well i mean there's Again, what I was told, and this was from the ICE union, um, the head of the ICE union, and I don't do more reporting on this, and he's got his own political point of view, but he said that every time that they tried to get E-Verify pushed around the country, it was a local chamber of commerce that would stop them. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a state chamber no, of commerce. Having, having fought this issue in the chamber of commerce, Republican people all over the country, I'm pretty confident he's right about that. He's right about that. Yeah, okay. I just don't know. I haven't done any other reporting on that, but... Um, so no, they would be happy to do it. You know, there's a, my brother's up in the mountains in Colorado. Like I said, he has a construction business. There's plenty of people hiring illegal guys up there with no health insurance and no nothing. And he told me about this horror story about one guy who I think was Guatemalan, hired by some other company, fell off a roof. He died. He had no health insurance. His buddies buried him out in the woods. I yep. mean, somewhere 
You know, somewhere there's a guy just buried out in the woods. Who knows if his family and he, even knows and, and, and that's an example of what happened to my stepdad. He took that job from somebody who used to get paid a lot more, but they mm -hmm. want the cheaper labor. And once he's gone, he's chattel. That's there's yeah. there's no human worth. I'm pro-life. Okay. There's no human worth, no human dignity in that enterprise whatsoever. Okay. So let me pause. What else did you want to ask me about this issue? Um, you know what? I I have heard you talk about this issue before. And I think one thing that I don't hear from other people that I hear from you is that it is not, I don't hear from people in the White House that I hear from you, is that it's not okay to treat people as subhuman. And I think that's an interesting distinction. And I'm wondering why you don't think people inside the Trump administration are making that distinction. I don't, it, well, I don't, I don't, I don't know that they're not. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm only speaking, I, I, one of the big debates we're having on the right, right now, internally, mm -hmm. is, in our view, has the left become so radical and so intolerant in certain sectors mm -hmm. of any viewpoint whatsoever? Have they made it so well known and plain that they have no desire to share a country with people like me anymore? And we'll use the full coercive power of government to bring down upon thee uh, to be made to care if you don't sign up for the for the new progressive utopia they want. Does that then justify people with my belief system um, acting in a way that violates our own standard in order to defeat them? And this is this is an argument that is happening comprehensively right now on the right. And in general, I don't believe. I think we need, I wrote a whole book on tactics. Um, mm -hmm. I probably have more experience in actual political tactory than even a lot of the bigger names in my industry do, because unlike them, I've worked actually on campaigns. Okay. I've been on the front lines, uh, not just pontificated from the Florida Keys. Okay. So um, I've written a whole book on tactics. I think tactics are important and I'm fine with ruthless tactics. Actually, I, I understand politics is how we do civil war in America. And I think it's a great system to do it that way rather than the banana Republic way where you and I get up on a morning and aren't sure whose generals tanks are going down main street. All right. So, but, but I think we need tactics that reinforce our values, not undermine them. I don't think moral relativism, moral subjectivism. I don't think um, dehumanizing people on an individual level. I have no problem calling Barack Obama a Marxist because I think his philosophy is Marxist. On the other hand, I also think he's a pretty a wonderful husband and father. I just think his philosophy is Marxist. And I don't have a problem if you call me a rabid fundamentalist, because that's what I am. All right? Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I treat my wife, I go home and kick my wife and kids. Okay? To me, when it comes to our belief systems, almost anything that isn't immediate trolling, you know, I walked off a set a few months ago when a guy accused me of, of Christian Sharia law. I'm just not going to, that, that, that's just ridiculousness. Okay? I'm not even going to entertain that. But anything short of obvious trolling, to me, I think it ought to be open season on philosophies. I think when it comes to people individually, though, we should hold them in high regard. And you know where I get that standard? Right out of the scriptures, where, sure. where God does not bend at all on his values, on his philosophy, and is ruthless in, in confronting and attacking and undermining those who oppose his will, but never at the expense of his love for people because Jesus died for people, not for a philosophy. And that's why I wanted us to start this conversation by people getting to know you as Heather rather than just some random progressive construct to attack because they don't believe in their values or, or, their, or their politics. 
I think, you know, the beginning of your conversation, it's so interesting to me that you feel and conservatives feel under attack because from the left right now, you guys are in charge of everything. You've got the presidency, you know, you've got both houses of Congress. Now, this is interesting. We've talked about this. Right. The left, the left has the cultural hegemony conservatives crave and mm-hmm. conservatives have the political power that the left wants. And, and so right now, for that reason, both sides believe and have some valid reason to believe to some extent why, that they are under siege from the other. Um, mm-hmm. There's another reason why this is true. I believe we're two Americas now, Heather. And I don't mean this, you know, uh, as a talking point. I, I think that a lot of the people that you talk to um, and and a lot of your audience wants to live in a country different from the one I want to and my audience wants to live in. Um, I don't believe much of what we on the right call media bias anymore really is media bias as much as it's it's the point of view of another country. Similar to like I don't believe like if if agency France has a different take on a trade dispute with the United States, I don't believe that's media bias. There are French media talking to the French people. All right. I, you see what I'm trying to say? I think mm-hmm. I think I think I think we are holistically whole cloth different nations now trying to fly and, and coexist. And that's why the most negative impulse of the other is the most driving impulse. It's why your questions to me, I believe, have largely been from the premise of, you know, how can you justify Trump behaving or saying or acting like this? And, and it's why I started off the conversation this hour before you came on, suggesting Fox News should be talking about the way Crenshaw was treated by Saturday Night Live, because there's very little place left in America where I'm just at a little league game with my kids and I have no idea how you voted anymore. That's there's very little of that now. And I don't believe we're polarized. I think we're balkanized. We're beyond polarization now. I, it's interesting because, and, and I think I have a weird perspective because like I said, I moved back to the U S uh, in December of 2016 after being away for a long time, other people in other countries aren't, personally nice to each other in the way that Americans are. If I, if you live next door to me, <laughs> right. You so, know, you know, my, my, my lefty, you know, Washington DC neighbors might be like, Oh yeah, it's the Christian fundamentalist guy, but we'd all be super nice to you and your kids. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, give you candy on Halloween and, and loan you our lawnmower, you know, like this is what Americans do. We are nice to each other on personal one-on-one basis. And I, I think going back to Fox news again, you know, I, I, we have created this balkanization that I think the media has been a big part of. I think um, Fox is the reaction. You have to keep in mind this is this is where this is where you and I are probably going to divert. Yeah, I, 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 I think Fox is a reaction to what has happened to your industry. Trump mm-hmm. is not the cause of any division in America. He is the result. He is the the, the, the re, people people turn to a caricature like Donald Trump when they believe the system has systemically failed and, and rational, um, uh, sane voices won't, won't listen to them anymore. Let me give you an analogy. And I used to say this to Ted Cruz when I was on his campaign. I used to say the winner of this primary is going to be this person. Folks would like Gary Cooper, sheriff, to be the mm-hmm. hero. The one they, mm-hmm. they'd marry their daughters off to, they'd have over for dinner at night, the, the, the one your sons want to grow up and become like. They would prefer Gary Cooper was the hero of the story. But if Gary Cooper doesn't have the balls to do what must be done, sooner or later they will feel so threatened 
and they will believe they're so on the defensive that they will turn to Clint Eastwood's pale rider and and will go from soaring music to the spaghetti western. All right. Mm -hmm. And the winner of this, that's what you have right now, because because the conventional Republicans and the conventional media gave up listening to people like this, like me or on people that make up audiences like this. And because they're told if you don't if you don't want open borders, you're a racist. If, if you think maybe the best thing for America might be that we don't eliminate an entire generation of Americans, then you hate women. Uh, that if, if you think maybe we ought to have a better education standard, you're, you're uh, anti-science. Uh, because of all these things now, what's happened is conve- the conventional Republican Party was either unwilling or unable to confront this in a way that was professional or, or provided any form of decorum. So people gave up on the Gary Cooper sheriff and they brought in the pale rider and it's all, and they know, they know the pale rider will come with a lot of collateral damage, but they also know that in the end, he'll at least get some of that, the, what they perceive to be the bad guys too. And that's where we're at right now. And, and what, what most of the people that work in the media in, in our industry don't want to admit this. It's, it's, I saw a fascinating dialogue with Jonathan Stewart and Christine Amanpour last week where we view ourselves as the paragons of virtue. Why? Why? You're a, you're, so you think Don Lemon getting a nipple ring on New Year's Eve on CNN, that, that's your paragon of journalistic I virtue. Okay. I think I, was, I think I missed that. I, you know, one thing in what you just said, I want to push back on. I feel like this is something that I hear from the right all the time is this idea that people on the left want open borders. I don't know anyone credible, sane, smart in any position of power in Washington, D.C. who has said, I want an open border. You know, anybody. You don't. No, I really don't. Anybody who's uh, there's a couple sort of fringe voices over there that are talking about. But I don't I don't even the people. How would you. okay? how would you define an open border? I mean, I I would define an open border as having no checks on who goes back and forth across it. I mean, I just don't know anyone that wants that. Even the folks that were like, let's abolish ICE, what they were talking about is it's this creation that's come together and really they do a lot of good work on investigative stuff over here and then they've got this sort of you know, police unit over here and they don't really belong together, they hate each other. Let's just spin it all out. I, I You know, most people are not talking about let's get rid of policing immigration at all how do you you know you and i'm asking i don't know i'm i'm going by i'm going by what i see in the media of abolish ice crowd okay so i'm asking you 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 don't have you don't have serious progressive liberal friends that believe that anybody with a desire to come into the country should be allowed to come in period as long as they're not a convicted rapist or something they should be allowed in you don't have any progressive friends that think that way I mean, I think we're talking about when I, like I said, when I talk about open borders, I'm thinking, you know, of, of no vetting whatsoever. I, I just, I don't, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't, that believes that. I think everybody thinks there should be a process. There should be a legal process. You should have to go, if you're going to claim asylum, then it should be researched. You should have to go through X, Y, Z. You know, it's not, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And I, that's been one of the things that's interesting to what, me. What agency is responsible for doing that, by the way? Uh, USCIS does the asylum. I mean, all of them. It's a department. I mean, but wait, 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 which one is responsible for enforcing the vetting process? Which one enforces it? 
when someone well, violates the vetting process and which agency is in charge of dealing with those people? Would it be well, ICE? ICE. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. if it, you, you don't understand, there might be a disconnect between on one hand, I know people that want vetting. And then on the other hand, they want to abolish the agency that enforces the vetting. And you don't believe you don't see how people like me might view that as you're really then for open borders if you don't want the agency that enforces right. the vetting right. to enforce it. See what I, I'm saying? I think, this is, I think this is a messaging thing. You know, the hashtag abolish ICE is a great rallying Twitter cry for people. Nobody I've talked to who's a politician who's seriously trying to come together with for a, with a bill that might do that is talking about getting rid of actually policing immigration. They're talking again about how this is this agency that's messy and again, it wastes money. Mm-hmm. And maybe splitting it up, you know, having more oversight over it. Well, I, I, I just, you know, I don't like yeah. concern trolling, which is like a whole industry where Fox goes and gets their fake Democrats and CNN gets their fake Republicans to come on the air and concern troll the other side. Well, if you weren't that radically left or right, that, that, that's garbage, pro wrestling stuff. It, then let me just say this sincerely to you as Heather, talking to a guy named Steve, who's more conservative than you are and you're more liberal than me. If you really want people like me not to believe folks like you are for open borders, a great way to begin that conversation is not to openly advocate for eliminating the agency charge with enforcing the vetting process of the border. That's, yeah, I, they, I think that's a reasonable expectation. <laughs> I, 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 what's also been fascinating to me, I think, is a lot of and, and some of what we talked about touched on this is this this idea that I feel coming from you and that comes from the right that there is this super organized, progressive, democratic thing going on where there's, you know, there's like a meeting and everybody's got a plan and we're all going to do this. These folks are so disorganized. They cannot find their butt with both hands. I mean, it's just really like the the Democrats are just shockingly disorganized, shockingly. So, you know, the notion during the Kavanaugh hearings that somehow that that this had been planned by Feinstein, like there is no way those folks cannot plan something like that. And so I I think that's just one thing to keep in mind that there's not, (laughs) there's no big organized machine on the other side. It's just a bunch of people schlubbing along. Heather, it's been a pleasure having you with us. And uh, we'd love to do this again, and we can do this on other issues uh, if you would like. I think it would be very constructive for our audience to hear a give and take and a back and forth. Uh, Really appreciate you being with us, and I hope you feel like you were treated respectfully. We tried to. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. God bless. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right, you guys have got about a minute or so here. Uh, Any final thoughts on uh, the back and forth we had on the immigration issue? Can't find your butts with uh, can't find their butts with both hands. That's I'm gonna remember that one. I like that. That's what I'm taking away from this. Leaning Todd quickly. Well, that last part uh, is important. I think we should have, make sure we find a way to yes. get her back on because that's the sign of a true uh, fellowship is that it's just not a one-off to check a box. And uh, You're doing more than most people are in that regard, Steve. Thanks for tuning in today. Plenty of election talk tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.